Hello, this is Historically Thinking's Commonplace Book for the week of September 23rd, 2018. A quick journey into the past on a gray morning in central Virginia. And speaking of journeys, this is a week of historic returns. On September 23rd, 1806, Lewis and Clark returned to St. Louis from the Pacific Northwest, the end of a three-year journey to the coast of Pacific and back. They had seen a great deal. They had traveled an immense number of miles. They had laid claim to vast swaths of territory to keep it from falling into Spanish or British hands. That was President Thomas Jefferson's geopolitical intention. And they had observed numerous scientific curiosities and brought back hundreds, maybe thousands, of samples. Yet their return was somewhat anticlimactic. True, all of St. Louis turned out, but it was just a village at the time, and it was another two months before Jefferson announced their uh, achievement to Congress. He did that in one line and then spent a great deal of time attempting to justify the expense that had been incurred. It was on September 28, 1924, uh, that a the first flight around the world returned to Seattle. On April 6, 1924, uh, four teams of pilots in four Douglas World Cruisers, especially crafted by uh, biplanes, designed and built for the achievement, had set out from Seattle to circumnavigate the world. The four planes are named Seattle, Chicago, Boston, and New Orleans. It took them 175 days to make the, the world flight. Uh, in the process of going across the North Atlantic, they had had to fly at a wave top level dodging icebergs. In the process, one plane uh, was forced down and its crew and rescued by a waiting U.S. Navy destroyer. But in the end, two planes made it 27,500 miles after they first left Seattle. And on September 30th, 1949, the Berlin Airlift was ended. It had begun as an attempt to resupply the city after the Soviet Union had blocked all land travel to Berlin. It seemed impossible that air power alone could supply an entire city. By the time the Soviet blockade uh, ended in May 12th, the Berlin Airlift had transported 2,234 million 406 tons on over 280,000 flights. The airlift continued until September 30th in order to build up supplies, three months worth of supplies in case the Soviets determined to blockade Berlin once more. The cost of the airlift was somewhere between 2.3 and 5.14 billion in today's dollars. This week also marks one of the most momentous Arrivals in world history. On September 24th, 622, the Prophet Muhammad completed the Hijrah. Muhammad was from Mecca. He had there received revelations from God. He had gained about a hundred converts, and yet his message had no success in further converting city leaders or the merchants around him. Persecution increased, and then a group of men from Medina, 200 miles to the north, came to Mecca and visited the Prophet. 
told him that they had converted to his message and invited him to join them there in that oasis city. And so, slipping away and at night, he made his way to it's a week, the history of Islam, the first year of the Islamic calendar. And there in Medina, he was able to build his state, led raids on the caravans going to Mecca, and established the caliphate. This week is also notable for the birthdays of several influential historians. William Edward Leuchtenberg, eminent historian of the New Deal and the Roosevelt administration, a friend to Democratic consultants and presidents, born September 28, 1922. Even more notably, a historian who became the first Prime Minister of Trinidad, Eric Eustace Williams, born 25 September 1911, a historian of capitalism and slavery, of the Caribbean and of the British imperial system, perhaps one of the most, if not inf the most, influential historians of Caribbean trade and slavery, as well as the first Prime Minister of Trinidad. And Alfred Thayer Mahon, born 19, September 27, 1840, died December 1, 1914, one of the most unusual success stories amongst historians, especially that he did not consider himself one. He had been born at West Point, the son of an instructor in tactics who taught the entire generation of Civil War generals. He went on to become a sailor, and he was lousy at it. Every ship he ever commanded, save one, was involved in numerous accidents. He would have uh, essentially anxiety attacks, a nervous disorder brought on by his fear of failure, fear of running into something. Fortunately for him, in 1885, he became president of the Naval War College, quite by accident. He had to put together lectures, and in doing so, he surveyed the secondary literature and came up with a theory of sea power in history, the influence of sea power in history, as he called his first volume. It was an international smash hit. It was translated to Japanese, became the Japanese Naval Academy's primary textbook. The Germans loved it. They saw it as justification for building their own high seas fleet. In fact, everyone uh, was moved and enthused by it to build ever-increasing uh, naval forces. The naval arms race was already underway when Mahan wrote his book, but it was certainly given intellectual justification by his work. And in the course of things, he became president of the American Historical Association in 1901. Alfred Thayer Mahan, born September 27, 1840. This work is an examination of the general history of Europe and America with particular reference to the effect of sea power upon the course of that history. Historians generally have been unfamiliar with the conditions of the sea, having as to it neither special interest nor special knowledge, and the profound determining influence of maritime strength upon great issues has consequently been overlooked. This is even more true of particular occasions than of the general tendency of sea power. It is easy to say in a general way that the use and control of the sea is and has been a great factor in the history of the world, it is more troublesome to seek out and show its exact bearing at a particular junction. Yet, unless this be done, the acknowledgement of general importance remains vague and unsubstantial, not resting as it should upon a collection of special instances in which the precise effect has been made clear by an analysis of the conditions at the given 
moments. And that's the commonplace book for the week of September 23rd, 2018. I'm Al Zambone, right in the corner where you are. <laughs>